0: This is the presentation on oral facial disorders. Our objectives are going to be to look at the anatomy and physiology of the cranial facial structures. And um, the textbook does a beautiful job giving good images and good um, information. I'm not going to go into too great a detail on this presentation, but please review that. It is part of your required reading. Um, The the topics that we're going to talk about in this very short lecture is going to be on dental abscess and um, dental trauma, mastoiditis orbital and postseptal cellulitis, and oral facial devices and surgical repairs. Um, this slide I took right from the text. Um, this really goes into a good description of the bony structures of, um, uh, of, of the pediatric patient. Um, I also wanted to talk briefly a little bit about craniosynostosis. And again, in the textbook, they talk a little bit about the suture lines um, they give a good diagram. This, this image also came right from the textbook and we talk a little bit about craniosynostosis and essentially that's where you have a closure, a premature closure of suture. Um, so it can be a variety of different things. I have four of them listed here for you. tragonencephaly brachycephaly, scaphiocephaly, and plagiocephaly. Plagiocephaly is probably the one we see the most. Um, and typically, you know, this, you know, because of the, uh, Lamy, um, you know, to, if you leave a child in a supine position for a long period of time, they can actually develop a little bit of plagiocephaly. Um, so the, the lay me down to sleep campaign, I believe, got a lot of flack because, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people were doing that and for extended periods of time and the kids were getting these flat um, heads, basically. Uh, but cranial, craniosynostosis, by its definition, is a premature suture fusion. Um, The trigonocephaly; these are patients that have like a pointed forehead where um, you have a premature fusion of the uh, metopic suture, um, which causes that pointed or triangular shaped forehead. Your brachiocephaly is a premature fusion of the bilateral coronal sutures, which leads to a characterized bitemporal widening and a short um, SP diameter. Then your um, scaphocephaly is a premature fusion of the sagittal suture, has a temporal narrowing and a long anterior posterior opening. And then your plagiocephaly, plagiocephaly, by definition, is your premature fusion of the, unilater- of, of the unilateral coronal or lamboidal suture. Um, it's also known as a twisted kind of skull. This slide, um, I found some images online to show you some of the various different um, presentations Um, on the far left of your screen you're going to see a normal cephalic head shape um, with both an actual patient on top and then the diagram on the bottom in the middle you have a patient with that unilateral plagiocephaly where you have like a uh, um uh a slanted basically type of angle uh, on the back of the head. And it also shows a nice little picture of a child with brach- uh, uh, brachycephaly as well. In the middle of the, uh, of the slide, you're going to see a, a child with trigonocephaly um, where they have that pointed shape to their head. And this actually does uh, a before and after. It shows you what the child looked like before and then after surgery. And then over to the, and over to the far right, you're going to see a child with, uh, with a, a cartoon image of a child with um, scaphocephaly. Next, we'll talk about dental abscesses and dental trauma. Um, we know that males are affected more than females. They account for a fair amount of our emergency room visits, um, specifically due to dental caries. Um, and when we look at trauma for dental trauma, about one-third of them are going to be children ages two to three years of age. Um, When we look at the presentation, we definitely want to collect a very good history to find out what happened and all the details that are involved with that. Their primary symptoms are going to be pain. They may complain of a a bad taste in their mouth. They may also have um, what is known as Ludwig angina. And Ludwig angina is a gag, a gagging and/or strangling sensation that can cause edema, distortion, or obstruction of the airway. Our differential diagnosis is going to include dental abscess, gingivitis bucal cyst, tooth eruptions, and various other um, diagnoses that you see here on the screen. Our treatment's going to include antibiotics such as penicillin. We're going to want to treat their pain and discomfort. And just note that Tylenol and NSAIDs alone can be enough to treat this child's pain. Um, so you may not have to give um, narcotics, and you're going to want to use those as kind of like your last option. You're definitely going to want to, uh, if they have a subluxation, um, they may use chlorhexidine mouthwash and put them on a soft diet. If they have a tooth evulsion, if it's a primary um, tooth, they're not gonna do anything with it. If it's an adult tooth, they'll go ahead and consider that a dental emergency and you'll get your um, oral facial, uh, OMFS doctors involved or your dental doctors involved where they may have to do um, treatment for it. Now, if if a tooth is lost, like I say, a t- uh, an adult tooth is lost, there, there is a certain time frame that they can actually put the tooth back in or re-implant the tooth um, so you'll want to make sure that that tooth is kept clean or sterile as possible. Um, what th- the book actually recommends putting them in a, in a cup of milk or a salt solution. And then, of course, if there's any type of alveolar fractures, um, they may require surgery with general anesthesia. Mastoiditis, um, by definition, is an infectious complication of otitis media. Um, it occurs about one to 10,000, one, one child for every 10,000 children. Um, and the textbook did a nice job of describing it that most ENT specialists see about two cases per year. We've seen a lot less of mass toreres over the years due to the improvement of vaccinations, specifically with Haemophilus, um, influenza pneumococcus, and influenza vaccines. Um, but we are still plagued by drug-resistant microorganisms that can cause mastoiditis. Their presentation is going to be, uh, again, a very good detailed history. Um, and you'll find out that they've had frequent um, acute otitis media um, diagnoses in the, in, in the past or most recently. Um, they can have a post-auricular swelling um, where if they're greater than 18 months of age, it'll actually push the pinna of the ear um, up, uh, outward. Whereas for smaller children, it'll actually push the ear downward in infants. They can have fever. Um, they can have cranial nerve involvement. Again, having that good cranial nerve exam is going to help you. So they may have, um, changes to cranial nerves, six, seven, and eight. Um, I have a, an error there on the slide. So it should be slides, uh, cranial nerves, six, seven, and eight. That's your abducens facial um, or vestibular acoustic, um, and they can also develop what's known as Gradingo syndrome, and I have a picture of it here um, for you on the slide. And es- essentially, it's a triad of symptoms which include otitis media, facial pain, and abducens palsy. Um, and you could see here um, where the child's eye is actually um, shifting in inward, and that's known as an abducens palsy. Your differential is going to include perititis, postauricular lymphonitis, otitis externa. Your, your treatments are going to include getting cultures, CT scan, um, an MRI if needed to rule out any type of epidural abscesses or dural venous sinus thrombosis. Again, as I mentioned before, this you know a, 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 venous, a, sinus, a venous sinus thrombosis could actually um, put them at risk for strokes. So you want to make sure you rule all that out. Um, your iv antibiotics are going to be ceftriaxone uh, again because it has good penetration across the blood brain barrier um, you're going to do 50 to 100 milligrams per kilo per day probably i would do more like 75 to 100 milligrams per kilo per day to make sure i get good penetration there um, the most common pathogen that you're going to see is strep pneumonia um, and it may require um, surgical drainage next we'll move on to cellulite your orbital cellulitis um, which is an infection involving the structures of the orbit. And we'll also talk about preceptal cellulitis as well, um, which is also an infection of the anterior aspects of the eyelid. Um, so they can sometimes be confused, and sometimes it can be very difficult to determine which one you're working with. Um, the incidence is higher in the winter time for orbital cellulitis um, compared to other months. Um, and your risk factors are going to include sinusitis, which is probably most common and is present in almost all cases. Um have some type of rhinosinusitis Um, but they can also have a paraorbital infection orbital trauma and 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 others the most common organism that we're going to see with orbital cellulitis is staph aureus strep species as well as homophilus influenza type b your presentation is going to include tenderness redness and swelling it's going to be pretty obvious when you see this child in the emergency room or in the in the hospital they'll have they could have some type of conjunctival involvement um, headache, fever, lethargy. Um, they can have limited um, extra ocular motility, um, but typically they have a pretty normal um, eye exam. The differentials you're going to include are preceptal cellulitis, thyroid uh, orbit, orbitopathy, or um, some type of orbital tumor, specifically rhabdomyosarcoma. Again, for your treatment plan for diagnostics, you're going to do CT scan to make sure you don't have any additional involvement um, outside of the um, orbit itself. And you're going to look, you know, you're going to get your blood cultures, your CBC. You're going to place them on um, antibiotics. And we're going to want to provide good um, gram positive and gram negative coverage. So your gram positive coverage will be with your vancomycin, gram negative coverage um, will be with your third generation cephalosporin. There's going to be some cross coverage there as well, but you're going to have a good blanketed um, coverage um, for all different types of organisms until you Um, identify what the organism is, and then you can narrow down your antibiotic therapy. And you're going to want to do daily eye exams as well. For preceptal um, cellulitis, this is, again, like I mentioned before, um, an infection of the anterior aspect of the eyelid. And this can, you know, often follows, you know, trauma where there would be a puncture wound, laceration, could be a skin infection such as a hortiolum. Um or some type of herpes zoster type of infection. The most common pathogens that we see are going to be your staph aureus, staph pneumoniae, and uh, your staph pyogenes are the most common. You can also see it with hemflu- um, hemophilus influenza as well. Your presentation, um, typically the presentation happens pretty fast. You know, usually they're going to see um, acute symptoms within twenty four hours. Again, your history is going to be very important. You know did there was there any type of trauma to the eye or anything that happened prior to um, they may have some symptoms of sinusitis. They may have low-grade fever. Um, the eyelid is going to be, you know, pretty swollen, red, and tender. Um, they can have. Um, they usually don't have any pain with ocular um, movements, and there's no typical um, proptosis to the eye. Your differential diagnosis are going to include your orbital cellulitis, your eyelid allergies, chalazion, or hordeolum. Your treatments are going to, again, for diagnostics, are going to be CT scans to make sure there's no other involvement your CBCs, blood blood cultures. Your antibiotics for this type of um, cellulitis, you can go with oral antibiotics, such as Augmentin. Um, you're going to want to do a 10-day treatment therapy. You could even choose um, a cephalosporin as well. Um, but they'll, again, you're going to want a 10-day treatment. You can also use warm complex warm compresses to the eye. And typically, we don't hospitalize these patients unless they have a high fever, they're a small child like an infant or they have signs and symptoms of other, other systemic disease. Now, the last section I'm gonna talk about for this, um, for this module is gonna be on surgical and non-surgical therapies. And then we'll talk about the different things that we've seen. So we've talked about some of the surgical therapies already, such as if you have a dental emergency, you may have to involve an oral, uh, an oral maxillofacial surgeon or a dentist um, to treat. Um, There may also be um, different approaches, and the textbook's going to talk about different approaches for different levels of of treatment um, when it comes to the oral facial types of surgeries. Um, You can have fixations to correct bone deformities, and these can be um, bone graft fixations. They can be plates and screws. Um, um, The plates and screws are nice because They've kind of replaced any type of wires that we've used in the past. And oftentimes they are um, permanent, so you don't have to go in and replace them uh, because they're, they're strong and they, they tend to last a very long time. Um, when we look at maxillomandibular fixations, this is where they may have to actually um, um, wire the mouth shut um, for whatever reason, whether they're doing reconstruction on the jaw or they're, they're working on, on structures where the mouth can't be open. Um, one thing to remember, if anyone has had, um, this type of surgery, you must have wire cutters at the bedside and Kate, you know, in case they, cause they are at risk for aspiration. And if you need to get into the airway for whatever reason, um, intubating the patient or to help suction them out, you're going to have to go in and, and, and remove some of those wires. Um, other types of surgical procedures you're going to see are the different types of LaFort procedures. And with the LaFort type one osteotomy, what they end up doing is they end up like removing the maxilla. Um, they, let me back up a second. They'll go in and through, do a gingival buccal incision where the maxilla is separated from the skull. Then they reposition the maxilla with pates and uh, pins and plates. And then oftentimes they'll have some form of a splint afterwards. Um, so those patients will have a pretty extensive, and there's, there's, there's several different types of LaFort procedures, and we'll talk about those, um, in a later uh, module. Um, other types of devices that you'll see that are non-surgical therapies, um, include your helmets, and those are for children that are going to have cranial remodeling. Those are all the different types of craniosynostosis that we talked about at the beginning of the module. Um, your, your nasal alveolar molding are, um, are like, uh their nasal and um, uh, oral type of devices that they put in for children with cleft lip and cleft palate to help mold that um, structure um, prior to doing a surgical correction to kind of help them out. And then lastly, you know, there is a surgical procedure to put in distractors um, and oftentimes they'll do the distractors. And I put in here the Pierre Robin sequence because this is the one I've seen the most. And what they'll do is they'll put these pins in with these screws. And basically, um, what they're trying to do is they're trying to re-stretch, I guess, is the probably the best term, um, the jaw. You know, with Piero Band, these children have a very small chin known as having micronanthia. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to reposition the chin out. And what they'll do is they'll put these screws in and they'll do uh, sequential turning of the screws to help lengthen those bones as it's healing, um, to help bring the jawline out a little bit. Um, And I've seen that um, quite a bit in our institution. We have an OMFS team that does that for our our, uh, patients with Pierre Robin. All right. And that kind of wraps it up for this entire week. This is the second um, uh, module for this week's presentation. If you have any questions or concerns, please do not hesitate to reach out. um, And I'll look forward to seeing you guys next week. All right. Take care.